Hello, my name is Philip Miriton, and today we're going to have a conversation beyond science and religion. Breaking new ground in thinking, exploring the outer limits of what we know about the world and ourselves, unhindered by common beliefs and perceptions. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, taking on subjects from the Big Bang, the multiverse, and evolution to the supernatural and the new rising consciousness. This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now, here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Heaven at the End of Science, Philip Meriton. On last week's show, I interviewed Professor Michael Behe, the author of Darwin's Black Box, and we addressed the question of whether intelligent design is science and whether it is, it is impossible to conclude that behind the physical world there is a mind and intelligence, not just mindless random laws. We're accustomed, I think, to placing science and spirituality in two different camps. Science, we think, is the world without mind, and spirituality is the world of the mind. But when we read some of the world's great scientists, we really hear something different. For example, Max Planck, who is often regarded as the founder of quantum theory, had this to say. He said, I regard consciousness as fundamental. I regard matter as derivative from consciousness. We cannot get behind consciousness. Everything that we talk about, everything that we regard as, ex as existing, postulates consciousness. That is Max Planck, one of the founders of modern physics. So I really think that we are starting to see a merging of science and spirituality. And this is what it means. It means that if the world is really mind, then we have to start paying closer attention to the great spiritual traditions and not just put them up in the sky as some type of uh, mystical flight of fancy. These spiritual traditions indeed may be telling us something about our world and its real future. So today we're going to take a different perspective on reality and on the world. We're going to approach it from the standpoint of spirituality. And I'm very happy to have with me on this show Rashmi Kalnani, who was born in India. She spent the first six years of her life in Egypt. She went on to study and teach with the world-renowned avatars, gurus, and teachers and became a specialist in energy medicine. She's on the forefront of bringing the ancient mystery school teachings of Egypt, India, Tibet, and China into the current time and making these wisdoms simple and accessible to people at all levels of soul journey. But there's more than that. She's also a global medical physical teacher, an urban shaman, an international lecturer, a TV personality, and she's also the host of 2013 and Beyond with Jeremy McDonald, heard monthly on blogtalkradio.com. And last, she's the author of a new book called Shiva Speaks, Conversations with Maha Avatar Babaji. Welcome to the show, Rushmi. Hi, Phil. Thank you so much for having me on your show. 
and a big hello from the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. Yes, thank you very much for being here. And I think it, it's, it's good to start off a little bit about the perspective that you're coming from. But because one of the things that strikes me from your book is how in the Western world we tend to be uh, hearted materialists. And when we read a book about channeling the great masters, it, it seems somewhat strange to us. But I, my, so right off the bat, I'm wondering, do you think that there is really sort of a different mindset in this country, in the U.S., than there is in places like India? Is, it just, is, is there something that you see that makes us more hardened, or do you see something opening up here? Well, um, definitely there is a difference between the East and the West, and uh, hopefully we're bridging all these different uh, gaps between science and religion and metaphysics and um, the East, the West, and all, all divisions coming together in this unity consciousness of the now moment. And today we have a grand um, uh, alignment of the planets, uh, and it's like a Star of David. Um, grands, I think it's sextile and trains and all sorts of stuff. So it's a very important day today since 2012, uh, 21, 12 and so on. And it's a time of waking up and so on. So, yeah, uh, in the East there's more of a feeling in the blood of this mysticism and that grand mystery. Whereas in the West it uh, generally tends to be more scientific and, uh, and an intellectual understanding of the truth first. And then hopefully through meditation, initiation, and surrender, sometimes suffering, one comes to that space of uh, understanding beyond the mind because the divine cannot really be experienced through the mind. So what is the, what is the way to experience divinity then? What is the, what is the way? Through, through meditation, through silence, through solitude, through being with nature, through being quiet, through being still, through slowing down, through becoming aware of awareness, conscious of consciousness, uh, through reading high-energy books like uh, Shiva Speaks, Conversations with Maha Avatar Babaji, which contains the energy behind the words that can help to trigger experiential understanding, obviously within free will and the higher good. And even the scientists have done a lot of experiments now on universal law, which is attention plus intention equals manifestation. So when we are thoroughly fed up of this holographic reality that we call real, uh, in terms of you know just realizing there's more to it, then we surrender and then we make this new intention, and then the universe uh, fills us with new experience. Well, one of the, one of the the things that comes across to me so vividly in with the with the Eastern mind, and of course I'm generalizing here. Because of course, we, we are. Yes. There's exceptions in both, but we're using it more, more as category descriptions. But if you view the 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 world and that's the universe as a as a product of mind, then you're going to be trying to understand what we call this three dimensional reality as 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 part of mind. It's it's part of us. And so, therefore, there must be some key to understanding the universe hidden inside of us somewhere. And so, and so, I, I always see it as more of, and that's, and you know, when you say meditation, which I want to talk about a little bit more, it's like, to me, I don't really understand meditation, but I do understand this concept of having 
quiet inner moments and listening to 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 yourself how how do you describe meditation well again you know that's a, like a mind question so there are many ways in which to come into this gap between thoughts and when we come into that silence or when we go into states of no mind through being wholehearted about whatever activity it is running walking dancing singing love making whatever you know being totally quiet or being totally immersed in painting or writing then we get into these states of no mind and einstein went into those states many times when he did not have the answer and he just emptied to receive in egyptian mystery school which is my first book the divine mother speaks the healing of the human heart it's the nexus archetypal energy which means you empty the chalice in order for it to be filled again with new information so uh, it, these are not concepts, actually, but of course, if we go round and round with the mind, then, uh, so, but, you know, we have to start somewhere, and we start with the mind, because that's where we're at, with the five senses and the mind. Um, but then, you know, you, there are many ways in which to connect to the breath, to connect to some form of yoga, be it bhakti yoga, which is the yoga of chanting and devotion of the heart, or jnana yoga, the yoga of knowledge, but high, higher knowledge where you understand the difference between relative reality and absolute reality, which is explained in all three of my books, the, the Divine Mother Speaks, the Buddha Speaks, and Shiva Speaks. So um, I can explain the difference between absolute and relative reality in a minute, if you like. No, well, go ahead. Go ahead, because because I want I, I want the listener to try to understand your perspective because I because uh, in your book that I've read you are giving a what I would consider to be a pretty down-to-earth description of of what most people would consider to be mysticism uh, and so yes. so why don't you ex explain the difference between these two types of truth that you just mentioned so um, all of us are oscillating in these two um, realities the absolute and the relative. In absolute reality, which is our core essence being, we are all one. All is one. Everything is one energy, the unified field. And then within relative reality, at the periphery, we have the dance of the personality self, the individuality, the, the particular fragrance, the free will of each and every individual. So the problem is that in the last 26,000 years, we've been mesmerized with this outer personality level. And uh, because we were in a sleep cycle of consciousness, but now it's an evolutionary um, leap forward. In fact, an experiment that hasn't happened ever in the universe of the manifest, which is for 7 billion people to wake up together with planet Earth into this new ascension process into fifth dimensional frequencies and beyond and re-remembering our multidimensional selves. So uh, this understanding of uh, absolute and relative is really important. And there are powerful books and uh, ways out there, such as Nisargadatta Maharaj's I Am That. Uh, he was a great master who lived in Bombay, and many in the West went to meet him. And many of the Western teachers, of, uh, Eastern teachers have come to the West, Yogananda and uh, Baba, Baba Muktananda, and most of the spiritual teachers in the West and metaphysical teachers, most of them, I don't know why, but their gurus go back to India. And guru has been given a bad name, but it just means taking from the darkness to the light. And it means connecting to the inner guru, which is that inner knowingness, which is beyond concept. It's beyond 
um, the intellect. It's it's just a knowingness. Just, you know, like we know about love. We can't prove it. We as in we can't you know measure it, etc. We know that the sun will rise the next day. We know our food will digest probably. You know, right. etc. So the, that's just a little glimpse on absolute and relative. And as we become more inward going, so in the West there's a lot of this focus on everything's happening from the outside into the within, and everybody wants to fix the world. But as I've said in radio show after radio show, and in all my books and in all my teachings, uh, which is not my teachings, these are universal life force teachings. Uh, you know, everybody has a different world. None of us have the same world. So if you do an experiment, everybody will have a totally different perception of a particular time-space event. And uh, so instead of trying to fix things on the outside, you have to go to the within because that's where they come from. We are the actors, directors, producers, and screen and film, uh, and we can shift things through going within. Now, that's scary for people because you know people are scared of feeling their feelings. Well, the, I mean, you said a lot of things there. I mean, there's this difference between the relative and the absolute. Uh, I would agree with that dichotomy because I, I also think that one of the great sort of uh, truths of our time and of all time is that it's very simply that we are one on one, on, on one level and, and we are playing roles on another level. And yes. it's all sorts of people have put that into different terms. A lot of people use the term ego. We, you know, we get lost in our ego. We get lost in the material world. We get lost in, in material possessions. But, but I, I think that it's important if we are going to reach this stage of universal enlightenment, which I happen to believe in as well, that we're going to have to start speaking in languages and in words that folks understand and realize that it's not something that's going to come down from the sky. It's something that comes out it's of... It's down to us, right. yeah. Right. So at the, at the core, we are oneness, and at the periphery, we are the ego self, the individual personality self. Right. And that's unique for each and every one of us, you know? Right, and it's sort of... Uh, I've, I've heard that put a lot of different ways... Yeah. Such as, uh, again, such as um, uh, living with the big mind, with the small body. I mean, there's all, there's all sorts of ways to put it. But, but now I want to talk a little bit about what you said about the 7 billion people uh, ascension or enlightenment. What, what do you mean by that? Well, basically, um, we're in this wake-up cycle now, and it's time uh, for this golden age of heaven on earth. On, on Earth. So uh, usually when a planet ascends, it ascends, and then the individuals on the planet uh, would have to leave their bodies in order to ascend. But this time the experiment is that we can hopefully ascend in taking our bodies with us. So we're changing from carbon to crystalline, um, you know, to light, lighter bodies. Uh, and we've experienced the densest part of du duality because that was the game. Because everything in the manifest reality is divine play. That's what why the Shiva book is so important because it explains it beautifully. It's the divine dance of Shiva. And that's the cover of the book, Nataraja, which means that you have manifest reality and you have unmanifest reality. 
And even the scientists understand that as the black hole. And now they've found that beyond the black hole is then the opening up into yet a new universe, new worlds, new creativity. And that's why the Divine Mother speaks, the healing of the human heart is so important, because all of us contain these archetypal energies of the Divine Father, the Divine Mother, and the Divine Child, the wounded child, and, and so on, within us. And we are all creators in the making. So um, this ascension cycle right now, there are ascended masters and archangels and beings from higher dimensions, such as the Pleiadians, Syrians, Architurians. Now, all this, this is still in the realm of duality within manifest reality. Uh, and then you have the unmanifest reality, which is where nothing happens. It's just the field of pure potentiality, probab you know, probables, which quantum physics are really is really understanding now that everything is really comes from nothingness. You know, it's 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 all space, and uh, it appears to be so um, as a trans you know intersection of energies. So does that make sense? I mean, it's well, a I big think it's, subject. I think it's really, I think this is really exciting. And that, that is, that's the, the most important thing to get across here. This is Philip Mirton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're speaking to Rashmi Kilnani, the author of Shiva Speaks. And we're talking about ascension time and ascending to a heaven on earth. And you said something there that really resonated with me that I think is extremely important. And that is, we have this, this I would call it a dichotomy in, in spiritual traditions where we have some people who believe that you die and you go to heaven somewhere in a different plane, a different universe, above the clouds, and there's all sorts of metaphysical, poetic ways to put it. And then we have sort of this, this inner journey, which comes from uh, Hinduism and the Eastern uh, philosophies, where we want to get away from Maya, the second-rate reality, illusion, and we want to, and we want to fold into ourselves and, and experience the real truth, the real unity. But, but to me, the, the only way this is going to be powerful is that if we bring this concept of achieving unity into the concrete world. In Absolutely. Other words, in other words, we, have to, we have to ground it. Right. And that's where the first book, The Divine Mother Speaks, The Healing of the Human Art. These are just tiny little books, but they're like dynamite because... It's explaining universal life force energy and energy and how to how to become this heaven on earth energy, how to deal with chaos and stabilizing in chaos because confusion is just core fusion and a rearranging of the pattern. And that's where the Shiva book comes in because the Shiva energy um, lets go of, uh, finishes, changes, and in some cases destroys things in order for the new order to come through the higher order. The, the, right. The... the important point here is that in order for there to be real change I there has to be a recognition and I don't know I don't know if it's takes seven billion people but I do think it takes a critical mass to start with a recognition of who yes. we really of who we really are 
Yes. I mean, that, that's so a few a, of us, uh, you know, as we become heart-centered and as we become more conscious, then we have the morphogenic field uh, shift because of the 100 monkey syndrome where everybody starts getting it. And Babaji Mahavatar, Lord Shiva, very much says he's the Christ yogi in charge of this ascension process uh, among the ascended masters and will be here till hopefully all 7 billion. I mean, that's the experiment. Well, what's actually going to happen, nobody knows, because each and every individual has to make an individual choice about this. And it's not about saying Obama's going to fix it and the government is going to fix it and Monsanto needs to fix it. It's all about going within and embracing the darkness within each and every one of us, because within each and every one of us is this oneness where the archangels and the devil and all that is, is within us, and we are it. And we have to embrace our own inner shadow and transmute any pain or and heal stuff. And it all sounds like a tall order, but the energy is so powerful. The soul energy is now pushing to be the boss. That's happening for every single soul on the planet. And the um, outer energies of the photonic energy, the solar flare energy, the archangels, the higher dimensional beings today, the Syrian beings today, I did a massive initiation that happened spontaneously with a powerful friend and student of mine from London. And we were in the Great Pyramid of Giza, in the King's Chamber, in the sarcophaguses, and we were uh, bringing down energy with Melchizedek and the higher level beings uh, into the Great Pyramid of Giza and two chalice wells in Glastonbury and across, across the globe for unity consciousness within free will. You are a channeler, and I and you your book, uh, Shiva Speaks, is about some conversations you've had with Maha Avatar Babaji. When did you first learn that you had the skill? Well, um, I started in this lifetime by going to a lecture on the Bhagavad Gita, which uh, was explained suddenly to me in a way I understood, which is, I am not the knower, I am not the mind, body, and the intellect. I am the knower of the mind, body, and the intellect. I am the detached witness of the mind, body, and the intellect. Thirteen chapter of the Bhagavad Gita from the great epic, the Mahabharata. Right. And then I started meditating, and then I changed my life, and I left 15 homes across the globe, and a very powerful, rich business, and uh, life, and kingdom, just as Buddha did, to go to simplicity, nothingness, and and to uh, teach meditation, and then I went on to becoming a healer, and then I went on to teaching, uh, uh, learning and studying and teaching many uh, streams of Reiki energy mastery, and then teaching Reiki masters across the globe, and they would come to London. And like that, uh, with each initiation and with each depth of meditation, and through meeting certain enlightened beings, I re-remembered past lives where I've also been enlightened, and and began to spontaneously chan channel these beings uh, for people in individual and group healings, such as psychic surgery and during initiation. How is it? And, and this is this is probably a a question some listeners would have. But but how do you go about convincing people, if that's even possible, that? That that you've had these experiences, and that and that you have spoken to what you call in your book the ascended masters. How, how does one demonstrate it, or is it just something you feel? And, and, and yeah, you have shaking? to feel it. So you know, I'm not I'm not here to convince anybody, right. convert anybody, right. or be evangelistic about anything. Right. 
uh, I'm just, uh, you know, my mission on earth at this time, I have very conscious, clear uh, intent was, you know, to come into ancient Egypt, uh, into current Egypt, uh, to, to play as a child by the pyramids of the sands of Egypt. To uh, I was talking to the goddess Hathor in the sky. My mother said I used to talk to a car as a little kid yeah. in Zemalik in my home. In, in, in. And um, so many things have happened, and people feel the energy. Even people that are, don't call themselves spiritual, I could be sitting on a patio, I could be sitting in a bar. Right. They come up and they start feeling energy. They feel calmness or they feel peace or they feel I look like Babaji. And they don't even know who he is, but they want a picture of him and they want to know more. And they're feeling healed or spontaneous healing happens. And when you read the book, I mean, surely when you read the book, you could you could get a feeling of what happened when I crossed that river at the risk of my life to go into the cave where Babaji manifested as an 18-year-old youth, not born of a woman. And there are millions across the globe that have had experiences with Babaji, uh, not just in this lifetime, but through eons. So... Um, you know, there are people that will attack you and so on and so forth, and there are people that say thank you, thank you, thank you, and our lives have shifted and we've re-remembered something or we've connected. So that's up to each individual. It's something that, as I said in the beginning, if the world is at root mind, then then all of these things have to be true. And I, and you may not like the word mind, but what I, I mean by mind, I mean a product of inner states. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to over-intellectualize it, although yeah. I tend to do that. Uh, on the other hand, <laughs> on the other hand, any time we have a system of thought or feeling that points to an ascension time, points to a heaven on earth, and and speaks with confidence and authority. It's to me it it requires attention because because we are facing a reality that science is coming to a conclusion. As I started off with Max Planck and with Michael Behe last week with intelligent design, and we can get into the fine-tuning of the universe, etc., etc. Science is coming to the conclusion, I think, in the next decade or two, that they that they need mind in order to explain the world. And at that point in time, to me, uh, Rashmi, I th I think that we're going to start seeing this convergence because Absolutely. I because I it's happening already right. with many many scientists that have become metaphysicians again in this lifetime. Right. And uh, you know, f until 200 years ago, metaphysics was uh, you know very important. But in the last 200 years, science has been very important. And now in, in recent years, the two are definitely coming together. And I would say that science is catching up with what metaphysics has always understood. But again, these divisions are of the mind and uh, the experiential understanding through the feeling body and the heart energy are paramount. And the problem is the conditioning because for 26,000 years, we've been taught divide and rule, manipulate, uh, conquer, thrust forward, um, compete, 
uh, fight flight, uh, survival of the fittest, and so on. And these energies are no longer going to work on this planet. They're not working as we speak. Anything geopolitically, financially, internally, uh, relationship-wise, on all levels that is of those energies is beginning to destroy around us. That's what's happening. That's what's forcing everybody to go in within and connect to their soul energy, connect to the heart energy, and to feel and through just a little bit of feeling, we can heal. And through that healing, then we become whole and complete. And then that inner knowingness speaks to us in a very soft, subtle way. Well, I, I like to say that si as we know science today, science today, and this is, this is my own view, is it's a big experiment assuming that it's a biggest experiment that assumed that that mind or the supernatural had has nothing to do with the universe it's one since about 200 years ago since well maybe since the time of newton it's been yeah. one experiment let's let's see if we could explain the world without recourse to mind god spirit love or love or anything or anything actually <laughs> any good all, all the good stuff we're just going to leave it on let's see if we can do it ourselves yeah. and they've actually they've actually failed for the for the for the past 100 years, ever since quantum theory, I think it's been pretty obvious. That's been the exciting yeah, uh, bridge right. between the two. You're exactly right. I think that, that that's something that uh, that everybody everybody could sort of read books about it. I mean, there's that old saying that nobody understands quantum theory, but, but to me, you don't really need to understand it's it. It's so simple. Right. It's simple. Right. Because it, it says, for example, that a particle can exist simultaneously in two places at the same time. Now that totally and 100% proves, even from science, uh, the you know the experiential understanding of multidimensionality, right. which is what we are. We are only using a very tiny percent of our brains. Science knows that. We it is time to become whole-brained. It is time for the left hemisphere to marry with the right hemisphere, to the e for the east to marry with the west, for science to marry with metaph metaphysics for everything to come together together and, and then the new pattern forms and this golden age can happen, which is going to happen. It's happening as we speak, except that, you know, things have to first release before the new can come in because we can't carry this 3D baggage furniture with us into these new frequencies. And what happens here is that I think a lot of folks who may be doubting what we're talking about here to me, some people forget the power of truth, and and it's sort of like, uh, even though it was Sherlock Holmes, um, Arthur Conan Doyle, who who had that line, something like, "When when all the impossible theories are eliminated, what's left, however improbable, is the truth." The the truth at the end of the day, if what we're saying is true, it's going to remain standing. And that, that to me gives gives me confidence that to to stay the course because otherwise a lot of us are going to be going down with the ship, which is fine because that's that's the um, that's our own journey and that's our own experiments. I think. We're well, running. the truth, you know, years ago was that the world is flat, and everybody one hundred percent believed that because that was collectively decided, right. and we. We've collectively decided to be in a hypnotic spell of 3D reality. This spell is now coming to an end. This hypnosis is coming to an end, and people are beginning to doubt, if anything, uh, the current reality, because for many it's just so 
awful right now, you know, on so many different levels. And that pushes people into this opening of the heart. As Rumi says, you know, there has to be a crack for the light to come in. And that is that suffering or whatever pain one goes through or whatever. And I mean, there's been so many radio shows now. There's so much proof out there on YouTube, on radio, so many amazing teachers uh, talking about, you know, after-death experiences, uh, experiments done on this, you know, experiments done on um, one of my best friends is a a guy called Matthew Manning. He's one of the most uh, experimented on healers on the planet. And, you know, he was put into this place and sent healing energy to cancer cells. And, I mean, I've had all these experiences happen to me, but, I mean, he's been in the experiments where, you know, it's been proven. So... The truth is we don't need to worry anymore about everybody and what they're thinking and believing or knowing or understanding. As you, Phil, hold that frequency of your inner knowingness that comes through investigation, through doubting sometimes, which it has a good part to it, uh, but also being at the same time, Phil is open-minded and open-hearted to begin to understand that that there is the known, the unknown, and the unknowable. And that's where a modern mystic like myself, which again is a concept, because anything we define, we limit. Uh, but let's just say for a moment, um, you know, understands this, that ultimately everything is divine mystery. And that's what the scientists keep coming to again and again. Because whatever experiment they decide to do, the whole universe rearranges itself to give them that result. Why? Because there's universal law within manifest reality which is attention plus intention equals manifestation. Yeah, and I think the only question always is, is how many miracles do you want there to be? Because, yeah. because science, <laughs> science. I mean, if you start adding up the miracles that they rely upon, they, they, they have their own miracles. And, yeah. but, but they just think, and this is what is so troubling about it, they just think that, that the universe was a lucky accident. And, and that's, that's what is so unbelievable. And I think that's sort of at the root of, of a lot of the, 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 the uh, rejection, a lot of the alienation that people feel towards science. And before we continue, this is Philip Mirton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. I'm speaking with Rashmi Kalnani, the author of Shiva Speaks. And we're going to move into... Uh, I want to talk about Christ consciousness. You you mentioned that in your book, and I don't know whether we whether it's the same thing we've been talking about, but that term is used a lot because, among other things, a lot of folks want to associate this rise in consciousness that we're experiencing, or this this this. Uh, opening of the heart, however we're ex- expressing it, with the great Western religious traditions. <laughs> you know, we want yeah, to Christ consciousness does got nothing to do with Christianity as yeah. such, though um, Jesus uh, held that energy, especially after his initiation on the cross and his uh, re-ascension, I mean his resurrection, which showed people really that... Um, not about sinning and stuff like that, but it was much more to show physical immortality and to show immortality in general. So this Christ consciousness, uh, as I explain in, in, in shows and in my books, is unity consciousness. It's the, it's the Christ grid which is uh, uh, about unity and seeing this absolute reality within the diversity. 
And that's what everybody's coming to now. And there are so many, uh, especially quantum physicists, that are beginning to totally understand this. And Einstein was extremely spiritual, actually, and talks about it again and again. And, uh, uh, you know, scientists like Amit Goswami and even Dr. Deepak Chopra has done quite a lot to explain um, metaphysics in a more kind of, you know, uh, way that people can understand, even from a scientific point of view. Um, and in all three of my books, especially The Divine Mother Speaks, I, I cover that as well. Uh, so that, it, you know, it is very down-to-earth, it is very simple, and it's, it's, it's wisdom teachings decoded for the here and now. And as each of our listeners begins to hold this frequency of truth, simplicity, and love, which is what Babaji teaches uh, through the eons, he taught Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, and I'm not going to try and prove that. <laughs> um, then what happens is that we shift the frequency for everybody, everywhere, and we begin to vibrate on, at this energy of heaven on earth, which is nothing but awareness. <clears throat> As Osha says, hell is within you, heaven is within you. And he says, heaven is when you're being aware and conscious, and hell is when you are in an unconscious reactive state. What would heaven on earth look like? What in your vision or in your heart would it look like? That's a beautiful question, actually. I love that. Well, I think for each and every one of us, we'll create our own heaven on earth, but we're going to go into community living now, and this is happening on the Internet through so many of us meeting in radio shows like this and YouTube and so on. But it's also going to happen physically in this lighter uh, way where there will be a lot of celebration and uh, sharing and cooperation and uh, uh, the each individual and the babies that will be born or whatever it'll all it'll be about you know how can we support and love and nurture this being into reaching its potential whatever that may, might be because it, the individuality can continue uh, in this frequency, it's not just like being white paint on a white canvas, like totally boring, you know. Right. Right. Well, what what is what's so interesting here is that, you know, in my own book, it's called "The Heaven at the End of Science," and right. I take I I took the logical, some might say lawyerly approach to this problem, and I sort of get to the same point you just got, and that this is what this is to me is what's really exciting about this and this is one of the points of this show is that is that all roads are leading in the same direction some of the roads are real bumpy and and some people take detours and take wrong turns and I would be included among them but but what 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 we're saying here and what I'm what what I'm saying specifically is that we should be celebrating the miracle of being here. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's, what, that's, what, that's what we forget about. We Absolutely. Forget and it's that I am, you know, right. Tatvamasi, I am. Right. Just that, that part. You know, everything else is false, really, because when we sleep, where does the world go and so on? Right. So we can, we can go a little bit more in depth into the absolute teachings by reading my three books, The Divine Mother Speaks, Buddha Speaks, and Shiva Speaks, or reading the Sagadatta Maharaj, or getting old of the Tao teachings or the Zen teachings. But this understanding of the I am presence is so important because just the miracle of the I amness of our being on a minute-to-minute -minute basis is actually pure simplicity, pure bliss. 
And that cannot be quantified by scientists. They cannot measure that bliss. It's an impossibility to do that or measure love or prove these things. But they exist, you know, and they are. And, and that's what's so important now is to come to simplicity so that we can experience the bliss again, reconnect to the cycles of nature, which is a miracle. Nature is a miracle. Right. And it, it can teach us so much. And it can bring us into this Garden of Eden once again where we stop polluting this earth and going into so much materialism and greed and complexity that we go into these states of hell unnecessarily. We, we, we can come out of that now. Well, one of it's the way, easy. Well, one of the ways I, I look at this, and this is, this is definitely a metaphorical description, but I think there's some truth to it, and that is if you look at the Adam and Eve story, you have a picture of these perfect beings in this perfect garden but to me that I, I call it I call them the characters are hollow they haven't figured out who they are or what they're doing there and, right. and our function is to fill our character our roles by by and I, I would put it very simply by maturing we could call we could use the word growing up we could use the word evolution or waking up. Develop it. We could use waking up, and it takes time. It takes yeah. time, and this is this is one of the biggest fallacies of religion. Uh, and uh, and by the way, I, I tend to be a little radical on some of these topics. But but you but someone doesn't give you a a book and say recite this ten times and you will be saved. It no. doesn't happen that way. No, in fact, no book can take you there. And it was because Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge that duality began. So it's, it's, it's a very powerful understanding. And we have to come out of that just always looking for knowledge because knowledge in and of itself cannot take us there. You know, in any spiritual path, my teacher taught me, First you gather knowledge. So I read and read and went here and met all the beings and this, that. And then he says, you will reach a certain state of enlightenment. He says, then you have to let that go. That's what Zen teaches. That's what the Taoist way teach. Uh, and even Shivastit keeps teaching, coming back to what the scientists call zero point and what the metaphysicians and the New Ages are calling zero point. I've always practiced the zero point, coming to nothingness again. Because it is only in that silence, it's only when the Buddha even gave up the desire for enlightenment that he became enlightened. Because the truth is we already are that which we wish to become, but we have just forgotten. And even the knowledge can be an impediment in that final stage of coming. It's in that nothingness, it's in that stillness, it's in that silence that the truth is. The truth is ultimately totally silent. All the great beings are ultimately very still. There's almost like there's nobody there, you know? And that's a very peaceful, blissful energy. What you said is one of the hardest things for the Western mind to get to get their arms around to completely mix metaphors because we're so used to trying to be in control and trying to master something and but just the opposite of letting go. And so, and, and frankly, that's something that I have a difficult time with. Well, the time has come now for the mind energy is no longer going to work. And what's going to work is the heart energy. And, and the soul of each and individual will destroy whatever it needs to on the outside to push people into their heart. That's happening for each and every one of us.
I mean, every listener on this show can just go into themselves and and check out the truth of what I'm just saying. And so then we come to the energy of the heart, and that's a much higher electromagnetic energy. It is unlimited. It is multidimensional. It is all-knowing. It is all-pervasive. The whole universe is within you. And, you know, when we let go of the little jam jar that we think we are, and we let it shatter, then skies upon skies of creativity, bliss, joy, flow are available to us. And... You know, some of us are living proof of this. And uh, that doesn't mean we don't get challenged and there aren't going to be ups and downs because some of us are choosing to be in both the dimensions simultaneously to act as a bridge. You know, I'm choosing to act as a bridge between East and West, between uh, the mundane and the spiritual. The spiritual exists in everything. Nothing is separate from anything else. Nothing is wrong and bad of itself. The mind has a role to play, but to make the mind the boss is to be in hell all of the time because the nature of the mind is to divide, to rule, to doubt, to fear, and to control. And there is no such thing as control. It's a complete illusion. Well, you see, I I come at this from a little different perspective, but once again, I think we wind up at the same spot. Uh, this is this is Philip Mirton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're speaking with Rashmi Kalnani, the author of The Divine Mother Speaks, The Healing of the Human Heart, and the new book, Shiva Speaks. And we're going to talk about your upcoming documentary, um, I, God, in a moment here that you're doing, I guess, with Neil Donald Walsh. But I, the point I, w I wanted to make here about these little boxes that we make for ourselves I like to call it that we that we doubt ourselves that we put ourselves in these boxes of doubt that are basically built up from culture society right. professors conditioning yeah. conditioning and yeah. and it, it the simplest way that I could put it that I've been putting it recently is we let somebody else write our story for us that's right. And if we, if you take that pen out, or you take your computer keyboard out, and you want to write a story, and you just let it, let it go, most people would probably want to be a superhero, or put differently, a god or a goddess. And it, it's that's sort of the dreams that we have. We have the dream. Of but we are flight. becoming gods and goddesses. I, I, you know, when I say to my mother, I'm a goddess. She says, "Please rush me. You're cutting a sorry figure in New Delhi." <laughs> but truth is that as I feel it and I affirm it, many people that I don't even know that don't even believe in these things go, "Gosh, how are you, goddess? How are you doing, great human goddess today?" Yeah. You know. And but that is that is everybody. I see the goddess nature in everybody, or, or the god goddess nature, and we are human god goddesses waking up as co-creator. We're in the mind glyph of conscious co-creation. So, you know, I couldn't imagine a few years ago that I would channel these books and be an author and be a radio show host and make spiritual film with the spiritual leaders of America. And Babaji asked me to go do all these things. And that is my own higher self. There's no separation. And it, it's all happened and happening and more will happen. And but, but you see, if I just stuck to the story of I'm Indian, I have to stay married to my rich husband, I have to do this, I have to, none of these things would have happened. I had to burst paradigm after paradigm of my conditioning and still do. And, you know, now I'm homeless and I live across the globe and so many things happen. And this is happening for more, many, many people are waking up to this energy of, um, you know, beyond the conditioning. And that's the whole game. The way we come out of duality 
is to let go, let go, let go. That's the Shiva energy. Let go of people, places, ideas, concepts, situations, even books, teachers, uh, relationships, whatever it takes that no longer serve, to empty, to receive the new as uh, that our heart wishes to create of this conscious co-creation energy now. Well, it's definitely it's definitely a learning experience, and that's that is something that I don't think anybody could deny. And maybe somebody like you that has such a deep sense of what is real, you make probably less mistakes than your normal person. But I have. But there are so many. Um, we are all learning. Right, We're all in the right, same boat. Yes. Nobody is higher or lower, you yeah, know. Definitely not. Yeah. Even the greatest archangel is one with Lucifer as well, you know. it's. It, it, we have to bless the dark outside of ourselves now and the dark within ourselves. And we have to start by forgiving ourselves and loving ourselves and loving ourselves exactly we, as the way we are. You know, I'm not a size zero. And, you know, sometimes I think, oh, my God, you know, I put on some weight as a, like a guru type thing. But it doesn't really matter, you know, because if we don't love ourselves, how do we expect someone else to come and love us? It's just so simple. It's two people trying to love, you know, wanting to get love from the outside. So it's two beggars coming together, and naturally it's going to be a relationship disaster before it's even begun. What, what is your definition of love? What does it mean to you? In the big, in the big sense. Well, in in the books, I've talked a lot about love, and there's a beautiful chapter in the Babaji book about love. Uh, but love is all that is. Love is the cement of manifest reality. It is through love that the unmanifest decided to create, and the creation process is a loving process. It's an unconditionally loving process. It loves the dark part. It loves the light part. It loves every part, just as the mother loves the child, irrespective. So the divine mother loves. And that aspect of the Divine Mother is within us. Nothing is outside of ourselves. So whatever has been taught to us no longer makes sense, and that's correct. And this love energy is all-inclusive. It creates bridges. It allows even that which one doesn't agree with, and it honors other people's parts, even if one doesn't agree with those parts. And that's what the film I Got is about, I hope. Um, which is, you know, many spiritual leaders of America and the world and some religious leaders of the world and people of the street being asked the same five questions that Neil Don Walsh has, you know, decided to ask about, do you believe in heaven and earth? What is your idea of God? And so on. And as we go through the film, what we find is what you and I are finding in this show, that we're speaking different words, maybe a different perspective, but ultimately I'm feeling your energy, and it's in sync with my energy, and that energy is the energy of all that is. It's the energy of love. It's the energy of sharing and, and cooperation and conscious co-creation, as this show is. Well, and ultimately... The words are important because we, we talk, we communicate, we're trying to express these things verbally, but it's how you relate to other people, in my mind, that, that is the test, and that is where love comes in. I frankly can't define the term. Uh, although it's beyond the definition right, right. And, and for I think, sure, I think it sort of proves it proves one of your points, which is letting go and sort of living from the heart, because love is really something you feel, and and That's I right. think that the more you're in tune with all that is, 
the better the, the you know the greater your sense of love and it sort of becomes like a snowball where it just uh, it, it gets exponentially more powerful because because as you as you give you receive and and and, and back and forth and it's the infinity symbol which right. we describe in the divine mother speaks right. so you know if the intention and the intention of the um, listener or our, our listeners is to come to love and just creating a little quiet space in nature or in meditation or in silence or in switching off gizmos then the in within that space love will come through and of course with it the pain will come through as well because anything that is less than love will also come up and that's the part people don't want to face and just connecting to the breath and breathing deeply will also help that process because life is love and life comes through the breath and most people breathe very shallowly because they don't want to feel their feelings because we've had 26,000 years of heartbreak on this planet and we're all sailing in the same boat no matter how highfalutin the avatar is as long as we're in bodies on earth here now we are subject to certain laws of duality as well until all of this comes to an end and at the moment we're riding two worlds worlds are happening simultaneously and that will continue but at some point, this duality game on this particular planet is supposed to, you know, come to an end. And and the way to, to get into that energy and ride with it and be part of the flow of that is to stop and to ask. Ask and you shall receive to create the intentionality for the new to come in uh, and for the releasing of the conditioning of I'm, you know, this country. That's why the Who Am I meditation of Ramana Maharishi or any other great being of the who am I is very important because the who am I question zaps the mind immediately. It's beyond the intellectual answer. You have to go into the feeling and create a space within to be quiet and feel the energy and and be ready to embrace the unknown and be ready within that for the pain to come up. And if you breathe through it or you heal through it or you allow it a little bit and you embrace it, it will shift and you come to bliss again. Well, so if you were if you were to give uh, a, a lister, and I know you've you've given a lot of good uh, tips here, but but what is the the biggest lesson that you've gotten from Babaji? What 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 lesson has guided you? Well, I have loved Babaji for eons, so, you know, there are so many amazing things. But uh, what I find most at the moment, because even though I have this life of bliss and calm, I also have a lot of challenge because I'm jumping mountain after mountain and security after security and pushing, you know, as a pioneer into the new. And so it's courage of the heart. And so he says, dare, dare, dare some more. Be your own person. Think your own thoughts. Don't lean on the borrowed staff of another. And just a few of you will, will spread the light and the fire of my love across the globe. And, I, and he needs us because he and I, we are one. And humans have to do it for themselves. The Ascended Masters are here. The Angelics are here. The Great Beings are here. 
higher consciousness is here but we each and every one of us has to has to has to make this choice and that's what it is now it's such an exciting time on earth we can we can choose differently we can choose to share which brings magic we can choose choose to cooperate which brings magic we can choose to see the other as an aspect of ourselves namaste means the god goddess within me bows to the god goddess within you in lakesh means you are another me to really begin to feel that and that doesn't mean saying yes to everything. One, sh one, one still needs to be discerning and one can say no. And it's like true love and true love is about say, being able to say no as well and stand one's own ground, even if you're all alone. Well, that's, 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 uh, that was really good. I think that it's everybody has their, their lessons and, and you know, yes. we, and we carry them with us, but... I think the 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 emphasis on courage cuz because I think that courage is the big differentiator because a lot of people and and this goes to what I was saying earlier about we're living in these conditioned boxes a lot of people just don't have the courage to break down the belief to write their own story to raise their hand in class, to question their parents or their authority figures to walk away from what is continually painful you know right. um, this this courage is just like everything and this is what Babaji gives people because he is Lord Shiva it's that energy or ask the Divine Mother or ask Mother Mary or ask Jesus or ask Melchizedek or ask your higher self or ask the energy of source you know people say to me we don't work with this we work with that I say okay you must be something you're an atheist that's fine do you believe in energy do you believe in nature so everybody has something they can begin with that is a little bit bigger than just their little minds, you know. Right. Most people have that. And that's where you take the little baby steps. And uh, you come into magic and mystery, which is on the other side of the comfort zone, you know. Right. So it's hard. It's hard even for me sometimes because, and that's why I travel. That's why uh, Buddha said, Chariveti, Chariveti, keep moving, keep moving. Now, I don't recommend that everybody do what I'm doing, which is be homeless and move across the globe and have wherever they rest their head as their home. But, you know, it, 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 if we just keep moving intellectually and inside of ourselves and within our hearts, you know, then we, we come out of this comfort zone and then we go, oh, my goodness, why did I chase my tail for so long? Right. But everybody has their own unique rhythm, and it's not about going and trying to fix other people and force them into change, but it's about just coping with our own inner world of change, each and every one of us individually, so collectively we can create this new uh, these new living light communities on earth, which is happening already. Right. The last question I have in is, do you? Th and this is a question I, I ask myself a lot because, and I never yeah. come up with the answer. Which is, this this concept of a heaven on earth, uh, establishment of the critical mass or the world enlightenment. Do you think that we should be measuring? when this is going to happen by years, decades, generations, centuries, millennia. I mean, it, what, I mean, it's, it's the whole point. The whole point of fifth dimensional frequency, let's just take it at that. The, it's yeah. going to be multidimensional. Yeah. Therefore, all the new ages that are stuck on the fifth is a bit ridiculous. But anyways, let's just go to that step uh, in the game, which is a huge one. Uh, it's beyond time and space. So it's right. got nothing to do with time. Right. And it's not an outer time space. Um, continuum event. It's an inner event. It's an inner 
shift. It's an inner shift of the integration of the left and the right, uh, the, the male and the female, logic and illogic, exactly what your show is about, and, and bridging everything and coming together into this heart energy and, and, and being that energy. It's a, a being thing. It's not a doing thing. It's not a time thing. But within time, if one has to know, uh, within the next three to 30 years, uh, a lot of shift is going to happen. And hopefully this golden age is going to begin to take uh, incredible form. And that, folks, I think is the most exciting thing about the, the time we're living in because there's more and more people from all directions with the same sense. And, and this, to me, is what there is worth living for is this ascension time this enlightenment and it sounds mystical it sounds strange to our western hardened materialistic minds but it might be worth hanging around and reading some of these books and doing some meditating reading uh shiva speaks the heaven at the end of science and all and so many books out there which are opening minds and giving a sense of these these other cultures, these great thinkers, the great uh, spiritual gurus and leaders. Now, Rashmi, uh, why don't you just give the listeners a couple, uh, a, a little bit of contact information for you. And so um, my website is rashmikilnani.com, which will probably be on your link. Right. Uh, it's R-A-S-H-M-I-K-H-I-L-N-A-N-I, rashmikilnani.com, and I'm on Facebook. Uh, Rashmi Kilnani and people can follow me as well. I have a book page on Facebook for each of the books. The Divine Mother Speaks, The Healing of the Human Heart, Buddha Speaks to the Buddha Nature Within, and Shiva Speaks, Conversations with Maha Avatar Babaji. It's an e-book on Amazon and Kindle at the moment, but very soon it's coming out in uh, uh, print copy, and it's it's really making waves all over America and the world, particularly with some of the radio show hosts that are among the leaders in a way that are showing the way forward for many uh, and many many people are waking up now to all these different things that they're, they're going to be doing like making film and doing radio and so many creative ways in which to share and uh, bring in the light well I'd like to thank you so much for your time this has been one of my most mind-opening and heart-opening shows and I'd like to thank you for the thoughts you've shared with us and in your work it's it's something that i hopefully will be an inspiration to many listeners to go out there and ex and, and expose themselves to this this vast rich field of of openness of spirituality of of uh, and of love uh this is philip Mirton. join me next week where we're going to shift gears a little bit we're going to talk to diane collins author of do you quantum think a little bit about um how we should be changing the way we think uh it because of the findings of quantum theory thank you for listening this is philip Mirton. this is conversations beyond science and religion You've been listening to Conversations Beyond Science and Religion with Philip Meriton. To find out more about Philip and his new book, The Heaven at the End of Science, visit heavenattheendofscience.com.